cool, isn't it? Um, if you had to notice, we're uh, sporting some new merch here today, um, of which uh, me and Will uh, spent some time developing. And so uh, you may wonder, like, oh, goodness, we're going the merch route, right? Well, we've got to pay our bills somehow. Not all of you tithe. So um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. True story. But, you know, just it's, it's, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. Come on, guys. Uh, but we have these cool things up here. Uh, that just are going to help us pay our bills, man. If you find them cool and interesting and, and you don't tithe, you don't give to the house of God, man, just give that way. Buy a sweater, take something back with you. All the support really, really goes a long way. As was mentioned, my name is Daryl Temple. I'm off to a great start already. I'm sure I've offended a couple of you, uh, <laughs> of which I apologize. I'm just trying to be funny, uh, but statistically, it's just true. Um, <laughs> With that being said, uh, we're going to get right into the Word this morning. How many are excited to open the pages of Scripture? All right, come on. It's been refreshing just to sit back and listen to others um, manage and, and, and preach the Word of God. How many enjoyed Dan Donovan and, of course, Kalen, who's not here? When you see him, shame him. Tell him, where were you at church today, Kalen? Kalen, if you're watching, where are you? No. These words have been great, and uh, it's been refreshing for me just to sit down and see just uh, the gifted communicators that we have, the, the men and women who love Jesus and, and who are willing to get up here in front of this audience and preach his word faithfully. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome. I'm going to kind of like piggyback, I guess you would call it, off of Dan Donovan's word. Um, I, I was blessed by Dan's word. I, it was like very practical. It was loaded with information. But man, I, I just found myself latching on uh, to the details of his sermon and just thinking about those details throughout the week. And, and one of the texts that kind of stuck out in my mind was Psalms 119.37, of which I think he briefly touched upon, but we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that text today. If you would, if you have your Bibles, if you don't, don't worry about it. We have the text up here on the screen. But Psalms 119 verse 37 says this, turn my eyes from worthless things. Okay, <laughs> I like that. Does that sound like anybody's prayers you know, lately? God, turn my eyes from worthless things, man. Get, get, get my eyes off the garbage, you know? And then it goes on to say, and give me life through your word. Oh, I like the second part of this text, right? And we, we often get into the first part, right? It, it's a, it, the first part of the text is beautiful. It, it invokes and inspires so much imagery, right? And just like you, you, your, your mind and your heart and your life can quickly connect there. But when we look at the second part, it kind of just gets overshadowed us a little bit by the first. Well, we're going to hopefully, by God's grace, get into both of these things and I pray that they'll be very helpful for you as they've been helpful for me. With that, um, there's going to be no help given apart from the Holy Spirit, right? I think we'd all agree with that. I, I know we've already prayed a lot, but we're going to pray one more time, all right? Can we do that? Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that your word is truth. And Lord, we're asking today to be transformed by the truth of your words, Lord, to be changed and transformed into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, of whom our hearts adore. Come now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Rest upon every word that comes from my mouth. Lord, that the people of God might be refreshed and blessed here today. We pray these things as well in your son's great and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but it seems as, as though as lately... 
Um, every time I hit the highway, I generally stumble across somebody who's kind of just weaving all over the road. I mean, just this morning, I think I was heading in around 6.30, and, and I had this guy. He wasn't weaving, but he's going very, very slow, like 20 miles an hour in a 45. And I'm like, what's going on here? And, and sure enough, as I get alongside, he's got a cell phone and he's texting away. You know, you, you usually think that maybe these things are the result of that person being tired or, or, or you know, even more tragically intoxicated. But when you kind of try to avoid that driver to get kind of tangled up in their weaving and their kind of chaotic driving, uh, you, you pull on the side and you, you find that they're not sleeping, they're not drunk, they're just on their cell phones texting. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but I immediately think to myself, not only is that super dangerous, right? But I, I personally think it speaks something, prof- uh, something of prof- that's profoundly, excuse me, off with our society. I, I mean, the fact that a person would jeopardize not only their safety, but the safety of others. Uh, and, and listen, I'm not trying to shame on those who text and drive. If you do it, please stop. All right. But that's not the purpose uh, of my sermon today. Uh, the point of my talk today is that I have a desire that we, that the church, that the people of God would untangle ourselves from distractions that bombard us and prevent us from focusing on what's vitally important. We tend to live life like those distracted drivers, right? I know I do. My wife challenges me many times. I'm just, you know, sitting on the chair, scrolling through social media. She's like, Daryl, what are you doing? And immediately I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just bored. I I just, I want to see people's lives and what's going on. And I've, I've made myself so familiar with other people's lives that I've, I've kind of neglected the more vital and important things in life. And we do, we, we live life like these distracted drivers, instead of giving our time and attention to what really matters, we get pulled into and sucked into things that have no eternal significance at all. And then a passage like Psalms 119, 37 comes into the conversation and it's a passage that brings hope. To the easily distracted. How many here feel like, yeah, that's me. I am so given to distractions. And, I, and again, I'm not trying to dog on social media. Okay. So hear me. I, I, I love Instagram. I love Facebook and I'm just using it as an example. And hopefully you can understand that. But again, as mentioned, Dan touched upon this passage briefly last Sunday. It was a great message. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to give it a listen online. Uh, but let's take a look at the passage just one more time. We only have two texts today, very short um, texts, but uh, we're going to try to make much of those texts, all right? Uh, so let's look at it again. Here's the psalmist in Psalms 119.37. Turn my eyes from worthless things. Oh, wow. It just immediately my heart goes to just tons of things. And give me life through your word. You know, it's fascinating to me. It really is fascinating uh, to see the things that people, me, myself included, consider to be worthy. It's fascinating, right? It's fascinating to see the things that we think are worthy of our time, you know, Uh, things that are worthy of our attention. And and dare I touch that idol, worthy of our money, right? And, And as I said earlier, social media is just an example. It's a great tool that helps us connect Uh, with one another uh, and and capture and share special moments. 
It helps us stay informed uh, with what's going on in loved ones' lives and, and certainly what's going on in current events. Yet, as great as Instagram is, um, the platform easily absorbs a majority of our time, attention, and if it's left unchecked, we can find different places of our minds and our hearts being taken by them as well. Uh, I didn't know that such a bureau existed, uh, but as I was researching, uh, just about the impact of social media on uh, Americans here in the West, uh, there's this thing that uh, I, I guess looks into this stuff. It's called the Bureau of Labor Statistics and Data. Um, it showed that people like you and I spend more time on social media than we uh, do most everyday activities in life. Things like housework. Some of you are like, of course, like I hate housework. Are you kidding me? Uh, but this was uh, one of them, socializing. Socializing, like face-to-face -face engagement and connection. This research group had found that we spend more time scrolling through people's feeds and reels than we do actually connecting with one another face-to-face -face and socializing. Eating and drinking. I don't know if that's true in my case. I give an awful lot of time and attention and money to eating and drinking. Uh, especially my favorite drink, Yerbamate, very expensive, but, uh, but that's what the research had discovered. Uh, and it concluded that the average America, American excuse me, is scrolling through feeds and reels just about two hours and six minutes a day. Now, that doesn't sound like an awful lot. I actually think that that's right on track to my updates <laughs> I get on my phone. Daryl, you've spent two hours on Instagram today. Uh, I, I think that's right on track. Uh, but just with me, could you imagine if church folk like you and I spent two hours in six minutes a day in prayer, more focused, you know, given to praying more? Uh, could you imagine if... We gave, as church folk, just two hours and six minutes a day to the studying of Scripture. Could you imagine the impact and the effect that that would have on our churches and community and on culture? Could you imagine? Yeah. Hold on. This one might hurt you a little bit. Okay. Uh, could you imagine if church folk like you and I gave two hours and six minutes to serving the local church? a day, or our communities, or this city. Could you imagine the impact that would have? Uh, I think it sounds crazy, right? But this is, I think, what the Psalms touched upon here. The, the psalmist sees something differently about, you know, things, I guess, where, where you would give your time and your attention and your money to. He understands that some things... Uh, Comparatively, I guess speaking, are worthless. Worthless in the sense, as mentioned earlier, that they add no value to one's life. One author put it this way, the commentary he wrote on the text. He said, worthless things are things that add no value for eternity and little value for the present as well. And to that, I say amen. Just, just think this through, right? right? Just a couple uh, more kind of examples of this. How much life, right, do we actually think we're receiving through consistently just scrolling through things like Twitter and, and Instagram and, and, and Facebook? I mean, how much life is, are we, I, I imagine not a lot. 
You know, um, although we're probably well educated with what's going on in Susie and Bobby's life, right? The people that were obsessed with tracking and, oh, what's over there? Oh, your life looks better than mine. But what life, what good can possibly come through hours of binge watching Netflix? This one hurts because I love to binge watch, binge watch documentaries. I love to. But there's no real good. Actually, I have to take a very hot shower after I've given like, like myself to like three episodes of anything. I'm like, oh my God, it's too much time, Lord. Wash me and cleanse me. I'm kidding. I don't do any of that. But you get what I'm saying. Is there anything good that can come out of dating the same creep, you know? The same, the same Creep that you usually fall for time and time again. Ladies, maybe it's time to just enter into the church and find yourself a man of God who loves Jesus, who fears God and serves the church. Because I'm going to tell you, the way that your man serves the church is the way your man will serve you. So, man, if you're looking at somebody who's just got no interest at all, Giving his life to the church, man, I would, I would, I would bet money that he'll have little interest in serving your needs as well. Maybe we shouldn't spend our money on some of the junk that we spend it on, right? Maybe we should consider being more generous, you know, you know, giving to God. Uh, uh, maybe uh, we shouldn't spend our Saturday nights in the club, you know, boom in the club, in the club, yeah. And then and wonder why, why can't I get to church? Well, I could tell you why you can't get to church. It's called a hangover, sister. Okay. I mean, maybe for some of you that doesn't apply, but I've been looking at a lot of Instagram these days. Okay. All right. But maybe it's time for you to get out of the club and take seriously your attendance and your participation in the local church. Maybe. I just, just maybe. Just maybe those things might be helpful. Maybe those things might add life to you rather than take life away from you. That, that was a mouthful. We, we wonder why we feel so exhausted, so depleted, because we give ourselves to worthless things that at the end of the day drain us of life rather than fill us with life. Ultimately, the world is full of all kinds of things that do not deserve one iota of our attention. From media to entertainment to technology, as well as countless other forms of attention getters, our lives are flooded with distractions that occupy our time, and as I said, our money, and if we're not careful, our hearts and our minds. And before you know it, these things aren't just like guilty pleasures. They become idols that control us. Now, I, I imagine, I had to ask myself, like, why do we need to be careful? What's, just, what's, what's the problem with these things, right? Like, just, what if I, I, if, if I want to binge watch Netflix, I'm going to binge watch Netflix. What's the big deal? Maybe I should just let myself go. You know, I saw this funny uh, video where uh, this kid was like, yeah, fellas, I don't know. It's like somebody is trying to help other men really excel and exceed in life. And he's like, hey, listen, I just, I stopped working my nine to five and, and my new job is just binge watching Netflix. <laughs> and he just starts going, not, not a good, not, not a good look. But nevertheless, let me tell you why I believe it's a problem. Why I believe we should safeguard ourselves, much like the psalmist does here, where he says, uh, turn my eyes away from any 
worthless things. This is why I believe uh, this to be true. There's an old saying that goes like this. What consumes our minds controls our lives. Okay. And I don't know who to credit that. <laughs> I think I've said it before. I don't know who to cite. It's not my intellectual property. Uh, uh, but I have found that over uh, 40 years or so of living on this world, that statement is very true. What consumes your mind controls your life. Now, I would just add just a bit of another thought, another layer to that quote. Um, and... Uh, because I'm sure, uh, like me, you know, you want to pinpoint how those consuming thoughts got in the mind in the first place. How did they get there, Lord? And can I just submit to you, uh, it, it, this is just an observation that I've made. I'm not telling you it's the gospel. This is just a little conjecture. This is my opinion, Daryl's opinion. But, but could I submit this to you? Uh, could it be that those consuming thoughts that control our lives are there and they actually started by what entered, what trafficked through the gate of our eyes. I, I, I believe that's exactly how they have happened. I don't have a Bible verse to prove that, but I have tons of experience to say that is true. I've lived by a principle all my life. It's this, see something, sow something, reap something. And, and we all know how that works for the good and the glory of God. But we don't understand that that can actually look work for our bad. You can see things that ultimately cause you to sow things and ultimately bring you to reap things that ruin you. And this is why I think the psalmist is so adamant about keeping his eyes off of worthless things. He knows that if he begins to entertain and, and lose himself by just giving himself to meaningless uh,ness that ultimately those things are going to lay upon his heart. And actually, as we're going to look here, they actually do. Because David, although most scholars don't believe he wrote Psalms 119, but if you take his life, if you take David's life as an example, he did not live up to what he proclaimed here in this text many times throughout his life. But the Psalms, right, in this text, there seems to be this un- spoken outcome of what could be if the psalmist's eyes were to gaze at worthless things. Now, this isn't the first time. There's another text in Psalms 101 verse 3 where the psalmist projects sensitivity and, 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 and seeks to protect what traffics through the gate of his eyes. He says this in verse 3 of Psalms 101. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Before it was a prayer. He was saying, Father, turn my eyes from worthless things. And now it's a declaration. I will not set my eyes on worthless things. But the point is this. Throughout the Psalms, there seems to be this guardedness, right? This, this watchfulness, like what's coming in this gate, this, these eyes. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to set these worthless things. Uh, now, interesting uh, side note. Uh, Psalms 101 is to believe to have been written by David um, right around the time he ascended to the throne as the new king of Israel. As a new king, he would strive uh, to make his kingdom different, better than Saul's. If you know anything about Saul's rule and reign in Israel, it wasn't so pretty, right? 
Saul was plagued with all sorts of issues, kind of like many of us are here in this place that I, I know I can totally relate to some things that kind of plagued Saul's heart and life. And, and as the story of David's ruling and his kingship goes on, we find that David has a laundry list of issues as well. Are you tracking? And in many ways, on many occasions, David didn't, as said earlier, live up to what he is proclaiming here in Psalms 101. David let his guard down and he turned his eyes on worthless things. And if you're familiar with some of the stories and times and occasions where David did that, then you can honestly just start to fill in the blanks. David opened his eyes and lusted. He committed adultery. He murdered. He lied about it all. And this is just one story of many that exists. But if you look at the trajectory and kind of the way in which this all transpired, it started with what David saw and what he was willing to just sit back and just pull up the emergency brake, you know, camp out for a little bit and be like, oh, that's good, you know. But it started with his eyes. What's my point? See something, sow something, reap something. Regretful things happen. Listen to me. Things that we will regret happen when our eyes are set on things they shouldn't be set on. And you already know, fellas and, and, and ladies, how this plays out. I don't have to be too specific. See something. Sow something. Reap something. Garbage in, garbage out. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how many of us are, are taken by distractions and how much, like David, do we have to be more guarded, right? You know, uh, I, I know that seems like, like a duty, like, oh, I got to do something. Like, come on, I thought, like, I thought I just, Jesus does it all. Well, I don't know, Psalms 101 says, uh, David puts himself in kind of the way of, I will not set before my eyes any worthless things. It, it's something that he's declaring and committing himself to. Not something that he's declaring or proclaiming God is going to be faithful to, but he's going to do. So as I think about the second part of that verse now, which if we could turn there again, that would be helpful. Um, the second part is, give me life through your word. I think that is so fitting um, in light of this sermon. Like, where are we, the people of God, really going to draw life, receive life from? It, it, it's not some of the things that, like me, I, I, I thought it would be. You know, I, I'm certainly, like mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm not really receiving and feeling like there's a lot of uh, life-giving power, you know, energizing my heart uh, through two hours and six minutes on Instagram. It's just not happening. And so I have to be redirected. I, 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 like David, we, like David, have to take our eyes, commit ourselves from turning away from worthless things and diving headfirst with a fresh commitment to the Word of God because it's by God's Word we will receive life. Man, friend, you know, fathers, mothers, you know, uh, students, working professionals. Man, if you feel depleted today, 
Take inventory, take notes of what you're giving your time, your attention, and your money to. Because I, I, would, I would bet on it that those things are, are what de- are depleting you. If, if, your, if your attention is not given to God's word, and it's, it's on other things, trust me, you will feel empty, you will feel bankrupt, you will feel tired and exhausted. But like the Psalms, oh, we can find life in God's word. It's interesting to me. Um, even though, again, over 40 years of living, I find that that's to be true. I do receive currently um, strength in life from God's word. I'm energized. My very soul is energized by the word of God. But I started to think, how can I explain this a little bit better uh, to the church? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just share with you in closing a little story, if I could. Um, I like to use my son a lot. He is the object of almost every story. I would use my wife, but she's here today and I don't want to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> if you want a sweet little thermos there, over there. My son, Abram, many of you guys know, he loves football. All right. He, he is, he loves it. Okay. He eats, sleeps, dreams, it's unhealthy in some ways. We're, we're praying, we're fasting, we're believing the Lord for a breakthrough. But he loves it, and he's good at it, okay? If, I said this many times. If he wasn't good at it, I'd tell him. He'd be like, son, you are not good at this. I wouldn't be that dad. I've seen those dads. I'm embarrassed for those dads. I'd have a nice little talk. Son, this is not your thing. Like, maybe we should try whittling or the flute. Um, anything but this. But he is, he is good. He's good. And um, we are grateful that he has developed a new interest, still in sports, or still with sports, but he has developed an interest in baseball, of which my wife is excited because in August, Abram will start tackle football, of which currently he's only been playing flags. Haters, stay away from me, okay? Okay, that's what we decided to do, okay? Back off. But he will start tackle in August. But he's developed a love for baseball. And, you know, Abram's one of those kids. And again, I am not lying. I'm telling you the truth. If he was not this way, I would tell him. I'd be like, son, I just want to be honest with you. You're missing it here. Maybe crochet. Maybe cooking. But not sports. You're just not good at it. I don't care how old he is. I would just have, fathers, let me help you out. If your son starts to develop an interest in something that he's no good at, tell him. It's so mean. No, it's not. Actually, the mean thing would be to throw him in something he's no good at and everybody just tear him apart. That's mean. Anyways, uh, so he's developing a good, healthy interest in the sport of baseball. And we are excited because, well, that's not a contact sport. Hallelujah. Maybe, you know, he won't get a concussion or break some limbs. Praise God. Um, but he, he loves it. And he's, I, I got to say, he's pretty good. All right, he, he's good. He's just got that natural athletic, I don't know, vibe. I don't know what it is, you know. It's good. I'm like, yeah, that's my boy. All the coaches are like, how long have you been playing? I'm like, this is first year. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's my son. That's your son. Oh, I'm sorry. That's your son. He cannot play. You should have a conversation with him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, back on track. Uh, 
he, he loves baseball and we are excited. So I'm coaching his team and um, he has got this natural knack for the sport. I mean, uh, other than he's not the best of hitters. Okay, it's not that he doesn't have a great swing because he does, but he, he just can't connect. And so, you know, we're working on it. Um, and we're trying to develop that game, but it's, it's taken a little while. I played baseball for like five years and it took me like three to really start knocking that ball around. So it's discouraging to him. But anyways, as the story goes, um, we're, we're working on trying to develop his hitting game so they can be stronger in that area as a player. And um, I don't know how he learned this. I don't know where this came from, uh, but I'm grateful for it. He, he started binge watching like YouTube um, videos of uh, famous or uh, baseball players who really know how to smack the ball. And so I came into his room one day as he's watching. He said, well, what are you doing? I said, like, let's put on like... Obi-Wan Kenobi or something. That's boring. He's like, no, 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 dad. I'm studying these, these guys who, who are great hitters. I'm like, you're, you're what? He's like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just studying their form. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm drinking it in. I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing how they swing. Where are their eyes? How are they contacting? How are they stepping into the ball? Like, what does their posture look before the ball comes in? All these certain things. I'm like, what? Son, son, if you think this stuff is going to develop or help you hit the ball, you were wrong. We got to get out in that field and do it ourselves. He's like, no, no, we will. But, but no, this is helpful. I did the same thing with football, dad. And if you know Abram, the kid can catch a ball. I mean, he just can catch a ball with one hand, one pinky, his mouth, his neck. I mean, he's just really, he's just, uh, you know, he's really good. And, and I, I didn't even think about it because we would spend hours, hours throwing that football around. And I thought it was all me. I'm like, no, you, you're good at football because of me. And don't you forget that if you play in the NFL, boy. Don't you forget that, those hours I spent with you. And he's like, no, it's true, Dad, but I, I've spent a lot of time just watching these reels, watching these highlights, just studying these players that I love, these wide receivers that I love, these hitters that I love. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. I, it's, it's better you watch this than something stupid. So great, have at it. And so I, I left, and we had a game that day. And I'm thinking, well, let's see how this plays out. I'm his coach, you know, so... I'm like, okay, Abram, uh, you're batter number two today. Uh, we'll see how those uh, YouTube videos voted, buddy. <laughs> Good luck, you know? And lo and behold, he gets up there and he starts whacking the ball around like Ken Griffey Jr. I'm like, what is going on? Like, it, but the point is this. Like, all he did was take some information through his eyes. He just took some time to study these players. Ultimately, the same day, walked up there and started whapping, smacking that ball around. And this is where I would like to end. A, a diligent observation of God's word will always be beneficial in life giving. Like the psalmist, we should ask God to empower us to turn from worthless distractions that have no eternal value and turn us towards the life-giving power of the scriptures that we would give ourselves to continually consume, uh, uh, not consume, the consumption of the power of that word. And I imagine that just like Abram gets inspired and he's able now to smack that ball around just because of some videos, it will probably be staggering the power and the result that comes out of the church if we would put a death to distractions and pick up the book of where true life exists. See something, sow something, reap something. I don't know about you, but I am on trajectory 
to do just this, to put to death distractions and feast on God's word. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you for the scripture. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that your words are powerful. They're they're sharper, Lord. They're, They're able to cut between what is true and what is false, Lord feeding us the truth and sparing us from what is false. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, so many of us just handle the scriptures like a book that really does not benefit us. But Lord, we know, we know that the word does. It benefits us. And as the psalmist declared, the word of God gave him life. Lord, there are so many things out there in the world that that deplete us, that take from us our energy, that take from us our excitement. God, there's so many things out there that we think are worthy, but they're just not. And Father, what we're praying for now is just a revelation of who is really worthy. Of, of what is really worthy. Father, I pray, God, that in this church, Father, you would raise up men and women, God, who can discern the difference between what is worthless and what is worthy, God. What is helpful and what is unhelpful. What will give us life and what will ultimately, if we're not careful, destroy us. Father, give us discernment, Jesus. Father, most of all, most of all, God, give us the determination. Give us the resolve. Give us, Lord, empower us to, like David, turn our eyes. Not not just turn our eyes, but set nothing worthless before us, God. Oh, I pray for that grace, Lord, upon every believer here, God. I pray, Lord, that your grace would come now. Father, that it would intervene uh, for those who feel like, oh, I'm just taken by distractions. I'm just given to them. Uh, I'm more given them to, to them than anything else. Father, I pray right now for a great grace to enter into this room and to deliver us today and give us a holy resolve, a determination to not engage with worthless things and help us to discern things that are helpful, things that in things that are not unhelpful. Help us to discern where our time, where our energy, where our resources should go and where they shouldn't go. Give us that conviction, God. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen, amen. Church, as we...